This is the Park View in Pod uh, podcast. I feel like that's redundant. This is Park View in Pod. I'm just going with that. This is Park View in Pod, uh, where we record the living histories of members of the Park View Ward in Stansbury Park. And uh, I'm recording this at the end of 2022. And uh, John Smith, you're you're with me today. You're in the corner. Yay! <laughs> that's where I belong in the corner. That, that's-, that's right. We got no escaping at this point. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, and you were one of the names nominated. I think uh, McCall uh, Newland nominated you and, and your wife. So I don't – this is sort of my, my warm-up act. Hopefully we can convince your, your wife to get on the mic here. Oh, sure. You know what? She's she's notoriously shy. Oh, boy. But I think I could talk her into it. All right. All right. We'll just tell her that – Of me in every way. Like I'm this <laughs> – extroverted cartoon character and uh <laughs> she's very much a hi how are you nice to see you <laughs> nice well we'll see you know i don't expect everybody to agree to this in the ward but those that do say yes I, you know, it'll be fun so um now you're comfortable in front of a mic right i spend man probably 10 hours a day in front of one of these silly things oh my goodness so <laughs> well, we're gonna get into that for sure uh, so I got to ask you about your your name. Like I'm just thinking, being a John Smith in the mid '90s when Pocahontas comes out. I mean, was that a thing for a while? It was. And you know what the funny thing is? is uh, <laughs> I got a job at a place called Discovery Zone in 1994. I remember um, the Discovery Zone. The Discovery yeah. Zone. Yeah. And I was of all things a birthday party host. So uh, yeah, the, <laughs> uh, the the Pocahontas jokes when that movie came out, uh, they were everywhere because i'm like hey kids my name's john smith and they're like hey where's pocahontas yeah that's uh <laughs> that's that was totally this still is every so often um no, yeah it's funny because it's it's a really common name uh right but i've never met another john smith i've never actually met another one wow wow they've managed to avoid me somehow uh because they know that i'm like the highlander there if i found one i'd have to eliminate them <laughs> that's right Nice. Wow. We're already into it. Here we go. It went dark fast. (laughs) So uh, what is the, what does the John Smith name mean to you? Like, does it come from anywhere? Or I mean, your parents, where where did it come from? Um, So John, my, my actual name is Jonathan Smith. Sure. Okay. Um, John Smith is, is, is both a, a, a character that I've created for, uh, for my, my profession. Um, Okay. And uh, Jonathan Smith, the the person, or John Smith, the the friend, um, they're often two different people, uh, which is is kind of tricky sometimes. So so John Smith, the person uh, that that uh, you know my my family and close friends know, uh, I'm named after uh, my grandpa John uh, Rogers, who was a highway patrolman uh, in the fifties and sixties. Um, he was born and raised in, uh, well, I don't know if he was raised there. I should, I should go back, but he, he comes from a place called, uh, Holden, Utah. It's in, in oh, okay. central part by Fillmore. Um, and that's where the Rogers side of my family, it's my mom's side of the family. And then my, my dad's side of the family who is, uh, you know, they, they are from the Benyon area, Taylorsville. Um, uh, his name was Carvel. Uh, and my mom was like, there is no chance we are giving our son Carvel. That's not going to happen. Um, nice. but both, both great men, both, uh, both, uh, very loyal countrymen, uh, both served in world war two, both had very strong testimonies of their faith. Um, and, uh, but at the same time, they were both very, very different people, <laughs> very, very different yeah. types of types of people. Um, and so my my full name is Jonathan C. Smith, uh, but I will deny here and forever that C stands for Carvel. It's just, it's just <laughs> nice. so I, it's very distinguished. Just the initial middle name, right? Yeah. So if I were ever to be, uh, if I were ever to speak at conference, it would be uh, you know Jonathan C. Smith. <laughs> of the Parkview Ward. That's right. <laughs> hey, I'm, I'm I'm hoping that happens, but we'll, yeah, we'll yeah, see. Got to have that middle initial in there somewhere. <laughs> nice, nice. Uh, and so, where where were you born then? I was born at uh, St. Mark's Hospital in Salt Lake. Uh, Me too. Were you really? Yeah. No way. What year? Eighty two. Oh, so I was born in seventy eight. So we were born at the same hospital, oh, yeah. man. We're practically brothers. What? That's so <laughs> crazy. Yeah. Um. Yeah. So my. Uh, 
my mom had been uh, was born and raised in Magna. My dad, you know, his family uh, still owns the same plot of land in in Benyon, Granger, Taylorsville area. Uh-huh. And so I was a West Side kid, man. So I lived in in Taylorsville forever. Um, and then, uh, yes, yeah, so I was born at St. Mark's and then lived in the same house like my whole life until I got married. Wow. Which was kind of fun. So our, our lives are very similar. Uh, we were born in St. Mark's. I grew up in West Valley. Uh, t- I mean, technically, I was in a Taylorsville Hi. stake, but I was in West Valley. So uh, where did you go to high school then? I went to Taylorsville High, class of okay. 97. Nice. I, w- I was went to Granger, so we're rivals okay. now. Okay. Yeah, yeah that's so. right. <laughs> Nice. So just tell me, what about, what what do you remember from those growing up years uh, in, in Taylorsville on the streets of Taylorsville? You know, what's funny, man, is, you know, at the time we thought, we thought it was pretty rough, right? Like we thought we were pretty hardcore, uh, (laughs) you know, being, being on the West side. That's right. People were scared of us. Oh man. And I was, uh, you know, we were scared of the Granger kids, right? Because the Granger kids, they were, they were super, the Granger and Hunter kids, they were, they were tough. Don't mess. Uh, Not as tough as the Cypress kids. You know, you never, you didn't mess with Magnum, but. um, (laughs) That's right. But it, you know, it was, it was a a different time. um, And you were there, you know. Um, it was like there were, there were rivalries, but there were never, there was never violence. And that's not to say we didn't get in fights and we didn't go and, you know, like we'd go pick fights with the Murray kids or the Cottonwood kids. And, you know, the, the Cottonwood kids would come and pick fights with the Kearns high kids. And, um, I was one of these skateboarding punk rock kids, shocker, um, you know, with the green Mohawks and the, the Doc Martens and the, you know, um, and so we'd go and we'd fight with the straight edger kids from Kearns or we'd, you know, fight the cowboy kids. But it was never it was never violent. It was more of a sport than a than a fight. You know what I mean? Like we <laughs> we'd hurt each other, but we didn't maim each other. And I think part of that was lost um, somewhere along the way. Uh and we thought we were tough and we thought we were from the mean streets at the time. But, you know, now that I've lived outside of the state of Utah a little bit, it's like, man, boy, was boy, was I sheltered. We had it really good. And right. We, uh, we thought we were doing without because we weren't, uh, you know, going to Alta High or whatever. And um, but we had it pretty good, man. We yeah, we had it pretty good. And then. uh uh, some, somewhere along the way, you know, just the whole, the whole dynamic of things changed, I guess. I'm not sure how that worked out, but yeah. Yeah. And so were you born in a pretty traditional Latter-day Saint family? Yeah. Born and raised in the church. Um, I, I was inactive for a really long time. Uh, and I tell this story quite a bit. Uh, so if you've, you know, people that are listening to the podcast, if you've heard me tell the story in church, you know, you, you can skip ahead. Congratulations. You get to hear it again. Um, no, I was, I was, so I was born and raised in the church. It was one of those things that I just kind of took for granted. Um, mm-hmm. you know, and that's religion by and large is, is a big product of, of where you live, right? You know, if you live in New York or you live in California or you live in the South, chances are you're going to be predominantly, you know, focused on one religion or the other. And, and fortunately being born and raised in, in Salt Lake, um, I was surrounded by the church early, early on, but at the same time, you kind of take that for granted. Right. Hmm. So, uh, when I got into my teens, um, you know, I, I rebelled as, as, uh, you know, outspoken youth often do. Um, and then moved around. So so what was it about the, the rebellion? Like, was it, did you just always push back on authority or did you get in the wrong group at school or I mean, you know, what would you say? That's a great question because people would, people would assume that, that I fell into the wrong crowd. Right. And that's, uh-huh. that's, I probably looking back, I probably would have thought the same thing, but my faith never changed. Hmm. I just didn't like going to church. I didn't like the way I was treated at church. Uh, at the time, um, because I had, you know, green and purple hair and I, you know, I had the Mohawk and I wore, uh, you know, real, you know, I, I listened to punk rock music and I had a lot of, uh, strong opinions on things like politics and, and social economics and, uh, you know, and the way, the way that people just kind of looked at me, they assumed that I was kind of this dumb, uneducated, 
drug using, you know, kid. And I was actually pretty involved. I was, Hmm. uh, you know, I, I had really strong opinions on things and, and that caused problems uh, both at school and in church, because I'd, I'd ask questions that they didn't either know the answer or want to answer. And that's another thing that I think has changed for the better um, is that at the time, at least in the, the Benyon Heights ward that I was in, uh, you didn't ask questions. You, you took people at their word and that was that. And so when it came to things like, you know, how, how, uh, uh, you know, we used the term Mormon at the time. So I'll use that in, in a, <laughs> sure. in a, in a past tense, how Mormons should behave or how Mormons should act or how Mormons should dress. I often disagreed, um, with things like, you know, well, why can't I have, why, why can't I have purple hair? Why, why, what's the problem with that? You know, or, mm-hmm. um, you know, I had like a nose ring at the time, I think. And, you know, the, they were very concerned. Oh, John's, John's going down a dark path. He's got a nose ring. Ooh. <laughs> um, and it was like, well, no, I'm, I'm, I don't drink. I still, to this day, I've, I've never, I've never, uh, taken drugs. I've never smoked, uh, weed or cigarettes. I've never had alcohol. I've, I've lived mm-hmm. a very clean, uh, and morally straight life the, in my entire existence. But, because of the way I dressed and because of the music I listened to, people would often just make the assumption and just kind of write me off. So that being a, a young and impulsive guy, I I just was I turned my back. You know, I was just like, fine, you guys don't want me. I don't want you. We're good. Yeah. Um, and I just kind of did church on my own terms. Um, and my parents were actually surprisingly really cool with that. Yeah, I was going to ask um, you wh- how your parents were get- responding to all this, or were they worried about the purple hair or the, honestly, the nose ring? Or no, my my parents were were really <clears throat> great. Like I, you know, all of my friends growing up, they all had these stories about how rough their childhood was, or um, you know, par- you know, people love to talk about. Oh, well, my parents, my parents ruled. Man, I had I grew up in a great house, and my parents uh, supported me. Like you would not believe, and and my dad, who was a you know a, a gruff, tough army vet, would never back down from a fight with anybody. Um, he would uh, he would go at it with with teachers that that spoke poorly of me or made hmm. bad assumptions of me, and he'd go to bat for me every single time. Um, and so when I told them what my what my issues were and why I just didn't feel like going to church anymore. My dad, who was a first counselor to the bishop at the time, said, okay, that's cool. We'll do church at home. Um, and so wow. they would go to their meetings, and then he would come home, and we would talk, and we would read scriptures, and we would, you know, we would just kind of have our own thing. And how, old, how old were you about at this time when so you stopped the church thing? I was probably 15, okay. uh, maybe 14. And I think, honestly, now that I think back, what what the uh, this was the straw that broke the back. This is this is when I stopped going. Was we were on a scout camp, and say no more, John. Uh, right? <laughs> um, yeah, we were on a scout camp, and I I got caught with a uh, a, a box of cassette tapes because I had the Walkman and I was listening to uh, Pantera at the time. Woo! And uh, the scout leader took the tape and 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 took it away from me. And, and so I snuck into his tent and took it back and put it on a boom box, uh, on the picnic table of the scout grounds in the middle of the night and turned it all the way up and, and then was sent home. Um, and <laughs> my dad being the guy that he was, he was like, he was like, okay, so what rule did he break? And they're like, well, he didn't really break a rule, but you know, and he's like, you guys, on the other hand, stopped in Evanston, Wyoming and bought illegal fireworks and brought them back to Utah. So I, again, <laughs> oh I ask you, what rule did he break? Cause uh-huh. I know what rule you guys broke. And my, I was just like, you know what? You're right. My dad is totally right. And so he, you know, he was really supportive and my mom was really supportive and they were just like, yeah, you know what? We get it. We're, we're totally cool. And they trusted wow. me, um, implicitly with stuff like that. And so, um, fast forward, you know, it was, it was a good long a couple of years until, um, my wife and I decided that we wanted to get married in the temple. Um, so Sharon and I had been dating through this whole thing. She started dating, uh, she and I started dating when I was 16. Oh, wow. um, and she worked at Discovery Zone with me, um, <laughs> you know, hosting kids parties and stuff like that. And 
we dated for four years. Uh, and then we decided, you know, well, we want to get married and we want to get married in, in the temple. And so problem was she wasn't a member. She had never been baptized. So, uh, we both went back to church together. Um, and it was kind of fun because we went back to my parents' same ward cause I was still living at home and, uh, I still had the attitude and the hair and, and everything like that. And, um, the younger people were a little bit more accepting. The older people were a little bit more curious, especially when I brought a non-member girlfriend with me. Uh, yeah. but then when they kind of found out what we were doing, um, they, you know, they were really accepting and really cool about it. So, and, and you're what, nineteen twenty at this point? Yeah. Or? So, okay. and then we baptized, she went through the missionary talks. Uh, I was privileged to baptize her myself. Wow. Cool. And, and then we waited a year. Um, we waited a whole year after that until we could get her a temple recommend. So, uh, we went, we were married in the Salt Lake temple and, uh, then we went to our, our new ward and the whole thing kind of started over again where they were like, Oh, we know her. She's, and she, I should back up just a little bit. We moved into Sharon's old neighborhood. Uh, we'd bought a condo and that's in West Valley right off 35th and Bangor. Um, and it was her old ward. And so they knew her parents who were notoriously anti-Mormon. And, uh, so she got a lot of attitude for, for being from that family. And then me looking the way I did and talking the way I do. And, uh, you know, we kind of had the whole, uh, experience, the whole outcast experience all over again. And I was just like, you know what? Nope, we're not doing this again. So we stopped going. Hmm. Um, and we just kind of did our own thing, just just the two of us. Uh, and we talked to my parents, and we would, you know, we would just kind of, uh, I wouldn't say lost faith or lost a testimony, but we uh, we just kind of did our own did it our own way. Uh, and we didn't have kids, and so you know, when when you have kids, there's a little bit more incentive to go back. And and uh, it wasn't until Annabelle was born that. Uh, we wanted to raise her in the church. Um, if I'm being perfectly honest, it was because I wanted her to have friends. But um, <laughs> so we went and we tried it out. Uh, and just to, you know, and I was fully ex- expecting, you know, I was like, okay, get ready. You know, there, here comes the, here comes the Judgingtons. And so much had changed in that amount of time that we went back and, I loved it. Like I was like the very first day I was like, man, everybody's being so nice and everybody's so chill and everybody's like super relaxed. Yeah. Um, and, and how many years was this? Front, this, was, the time? It was, this was probably 20 years, dude. It, oh, it okay. been a minute. Um, <laughs> and I remember, uh, I, I remember growing up, I remember I passed the sacrament uh, down the row one day with the wrong hand. I used my left hand. And I remember uh, one of the Bishop Rick like scolding me. Uh, and I was probably 10, 11 years old at the time. And now, you know, and, and so much had changed where it was like so relaxed. And now I was like, oh, man, I can I can just come and I could just feel the spirit. I could just come and just experience and talk to people and just and just just kind of be around my neighbors and be around people that yeah. that have the same goals that I do. It was kind of fun. Yeah. Um, and like my third week back, uh, Bishop Glazier and, and, uh, brother Newland, they were like, Hey, we're gonna, we're gonna let you be a, a young men's leader. How, how would that sound? And I was like, okay, now wait a minute. <laughs> You're going to put me in charge. Uh, <laughs> Boombox boy, right? <laughs> exactly. The guy that got kicked out of scouts. Uh, you're going to put me in charge of scouts and the young men, you're going to put me in charge. And they're like, yeah, we, we think you'd be great at it. And, yeah. It had been, um, I, I honestly don't know. I was going to say it had been a long time, but I honestly don't know that anybody has ever shown me that amount of trust and that amount of respect at face value. Wow. Um, and this was the Parkview Ward, right? I mean, this, before the, the yeah, last split. Right? This was before the split. Yeah. So, yeah. Um, and cool. uh, so it's with a lot of the same people that are in our ward. A lot of yeah. the same kids that, that I see. A lot of the same kids that were in my priesthood class today that I'm still teaching. Um, and I've been teaching them since they were 12 years old. You know what I mean? I've kind of I've come up through through their priesthood with them. Yeah. Um, and to not only be trusted with 
um, with their message, but the youth of the ward, the young men, I mean, that's one of the most valuable commodities in our, in our religion. Right. Um, and then, and then Mace is like, uh, uh, here, oh, here's keys to the building. So I'm like, really? Like, <laughs> I don't know that anybody had ever given me keys to anything. Wow. Uh, yeah. Uh, and not because I wasn't trustworthy, not because I was a bad kid, but because I just, I've got an attitude and I'm, I'm kind of loud and obnoxious and, uh, you know, people just kind of, okay, you got to earn it from me, buddy. Um, and, uh, Mace and Tannen and, and, uh, and brother Lopez, they were like, yeah, you're the guy, you're it. And honestly, I've been back every week since. Um, Wow. That's cool. And you know, having baptized Annabelle this year and uh, having a chance to get up and speak in church a number of times. It's uh, it's been really, really cool. And going back to what I mentioned earlier about uh, questions is not only are we allowed to ask questions now, but we're encouraged uh, to ask questions. And I don't know that there's any other religion like that. Like I've been around the world, man. I've been, I've been in Muslim countries. I've been in Catholic countries. I've been in the deep South with the Baptists, you know, and I don't know that, um, there's as much of a, of a, an interpretation that, that we're allowed to question things, uh, any, anywhere else. And what comes along with that is the ability to say, I don't know. And I think that's really cool about about being a, a member of the church, is that you know my my priests and my elders and my deacons can come to me and they can go, hey, why why don't we uh, allow this? Why do we believe this? And if I don't know the answer, I can just say, dude, I don't know. Hmm. Tell you what, let's let's see if we can find out. Let's let's dig in. Yeah, and cool. I. I think a lot of other groups, not just religions, but a lot of other groups are afraid of those three words. I don't know. And I think it speaks really highly to our, um, just our station in the universe, right? We're in a very temporary position here on this planet, our, our mortal existence. We don't know everything. We're not supposed to know everything. We're here to learn. And, um, what better way to learn something than to have somebody else ask me a question that I don't have an answer to. Um, so I love that. Um, and I think that's, that's probably what has strengthened my faith more than anything is a lack of knowledge, believe it or not, as odd as that may sound to some people. Yeah. So going back to the early years of your faith development, and even, even through, you know, the, your teenage years, your young adult years that, I mean, there was never the, these phases of like of anger or hate towards the church or God or anything. It was just sort of dormant, it sounded like. And you, yeah. you knew at some point it'd come around, but, you know, the, your interactions with some wards were sort of off-putting. And, but, you you know, wait a few years and try again type thing. But so yeah. the faith was always there. It was never like this deep, like, struggle of doubt or anything. Is that a good way to frame it? That's, ex- that's exactly how I'd put it. Um, you know, I, I've... Uh, and I would tell people when I wasn't an active Mormon, they would say, are, are you a Mormon? I'd be like, eh, well, kind of. Um, <laughs> and they'd be like, well, what's the deal with that? I'd be like, well, you know, like, man, it's just, you know, um, I'm a contrarian by nature. You know, I, uh, I, I, I don't belong to groups. I don't like, uh, uh, you know, I don't, I don't like a I, you know, I'm, I'm a, a social anarchist, if you will. Um, <laughs> Uh, and so just the very nature of belonging to something is, is kind of off putting to me. Uh, hmm. and so I would just be like, ah, you know what? I just do my own thing. I like doing yeah. my own thing. You go at your pace. Yeah, right? I'll just do it my own way. Um, yeah. and they'd be like, well, so do you have, do you have a problem with the church? No, man, Mormon, my great neighbors, you know, you just go live by them. Um, but <laughs> you know, and especially when, you know, you, you live in places like I lived in Las Vegas or I lived in St. George or I lived in Southern California. And it's like, you know, the, the church handles things a whole lot differently, uh, than they do here in Salt Lake. Um, hmm. and, and some sides of that are more extreme and, and others are, are not, not strict enough, but you know, it was always kind of one of those things where it was like, no, yeah, you know what? I just do my own thing. You know, I, I don't like yeah. labels. I don't like, and, and what more Gen X thing could I say? Right. <laughs> like being a member of Generation, I don't like labels. Uh, um, 
but that just kind of goes to my character, I suppose. Yeah. Yeah. So what about like academics? Like, were you a good student in high school or nope. was school your thing or? <laughs> um, no, I, I ended up, uh, I tested out of high school early because for the same, for the same thing, I, I didn't do well in groups. Uh, I, I'd rather go skateboarding with my friends than learn about, you know, uh, algebra. Um, and when I was in school, it was, it was entirely social, but at the same time, um, you know, I, I refused to participate in clubs or groups or teams. Um, even though I lettered in debate, I refused to accept the letter, um, in protest. <laughs> you weren't, you weren't wearing the, the big T on your jacket. Nope. Walking around. Um, and it's like, no, I did it for my own reasons, but that's just, you know, that's just being a rebellious punk kid, I guess. But, um, you know, we had, you know, for a guy that didn't want to belong to anything and a guy that didn't want to be a part of a group, you know, we had our, we had our really tight group of, of friends and, um, we would just kind of go and do our own thing. And then, you know, I got bad grades cause I didn't, uh, I didn't like listening to people. I didn't like following rules. I didn't like, uh, doing things the way they were supposed to be done. And, and, uh, for anybody that's been listening for the last 26 minutes, you probably picked up on the ADHD and uh, I tend to bounce around a lot. Um, and school at the time, you know, ADHD was like, no, you just need to pay attention. They didn't realize that it was a, it was an actual uh, uh, neurodiversity type situation where hey, my brain mm-hmm. works differently than other people's. Yeah. Um, and nowadays it's a little bit different. I think that's cool, but uh, yeah. at the time in the nineties, well, you were there. Um, uh, you know, I was like, well, you're going to do it this way or you're not going to do it at all. Fine. I'm not going to do it at all then. But, you know, and anytime they would, they would come to me and they'd say, yeah, what are you going to do? Tell jokes for the rest of your life? And I'd be like, yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Is that a problem? Right. Exactly what I'm going to do. Um, (laughs) and when it came right down to it, um, they were like, well, you know, you, you either need to test, uh, and see if you can graduate early or you need to just you know, go to an alternative school. Um, wow. And so I, my, my dad went and fought for it, fought for the opportunity to, to take the test and test out. Um, and I passed it with a 98% on my first try. Um, and for a kid with a 1.3 GPA to pass, uh, one, one test to get out of high school, uh, almost a year early that with that amount, um, they were pretty surprised. They were pretty shocked. They accused me of cheating. They thought I had, they thought I'd cheated somehow. Wow. So, I mean, man, just these experiences between school and church and whatnot, like, was there ever this like struggle with your own personal identity as far as like, did you feel like this? I I feel like if I went through that, like I'd be buried in that shame and it would just really impact, you know, my self-confidence and moving mm-hmm. forward. But man, you just like, it seems like you just, that you went through these things, but it was never like this question of, you questioning your own identity or if you were good enough or these things, or or am I wrong? Well, there was a, there was a time in the late nineties where I fell into the swing craze. (laughs) I probably (laughs) questioned that, uh, that part of my identity, but no, I, you know, I, I, I talk tough and, and that's just kind of how the world is right now with social media. We, we always present the best sides of ourselves, but, um, the truth be told it, you know, there was anxiety, there's depression, there's, uh, you know, there's, there's a lot of, uh, lonely nights where, uh, you don't know where you fit in. And even Mm -hmm. today, even at the age of 44, I still feel like that punk kid a lot of times. Um, it's probably why I dress the way I do, but you know, still to this day, you wonder, man, where do I fit in? Where, where, you know, is there room for people like me? Because, you know, that's, you don't have a normal day job. You don't wear a suit and tie to work. You don't, you know what I mean? Yeah. Um, and it's always fun to be the affable cartoon character that, that I am and that I pretend to be on the radio, but at the same time, that can be kind of lonely. Um, and, and the, the realization I had there was not some sort of big eye opener, but there was a slow process that is still ongoing where it's like, no dude, it's, it's okay. It's okay to be different. It's okay to be lonely. It's okay to not agree with people. Not everybody needs to agree with me, and I don't need to agree with anybody else. But we all need to figure out a way to treat each other with respect, right? So 
um, that um, type of learning how to uh, achieve balance over perfection um, was probably the struggle there that you're asking about. But yeah, um, there was never a question of of should I be different? There was a lot of times where I questioned, can I be different? Mm-hmm. Um, where I, you know, even still where I, some days I'll, I'll shave the Mohawk off and I'll, I'll, uh, try to tone it down just a little bit. Um, <laughs> and you know what, dude, it always comes back. It always, yeah. I always just go right back to, to who I am at the core. And that's just, just, uh, this rowdy nonconformist that's, uh, uh, you know, likes, likes being loud and, Loud and funny, I guess. Yeah, yeah. So you test out of high school, and then was there a career path in mind? Uh, I tried to. Uh, I wanted to be a cop, believe it or not. Uh, oh wow! For a guy that doesn't like rules and doesn't like being a part of things, <laughs> but that was the family job. My uh, my grandpa was a highway patrolman. Um, I've got family members that are in the FBI and the highway patrol and the county sheriffs, West Valley Police. You know, so it was kind of the family business. So I was like, oh, well, I'll, I'll try that. And that was obviously a very bad idea. Um, <laughs> How far so, did you make it before you realized that? I, I didn't make it very far. <laughs> <laughs> okay. <laughs> Once Sounds I started weird. learning about the process of, of going through it, it was a lot more than, you know, getting to drive a cool car and run red lights. Um, so then I, um, I decided, oh, well, I'll join the army again. Um, for a guy that hates rules and hates fitting in, uh, yeah, join the army, do, do that, dude. Um, and that was uh, a very eye-opening experience as well because I went through basic training and then I was uh, diagnosed as a type one diabetic. Oh wow! And they were like, uh, "So you can't be in the army anymore. We're going to send you home." So then there was, okay, well now what do I do? And uh, I bounced around a little bit trying to figure out. Um, where where somebody like me would fit in and my brother was working for a radio station at the time and he got me an interview to do weekends um while i was figuring stuff out and i got behind the microphone for the first time in 1997 and uh fell in love with it instantly Mm. um and and you know 27 years later and that's i'm still doing it um wow and and was this I, like a like a disc jockey radio job or? Yeah, it was for a station called 107.5 The End. I don't know if you oh, remember the. I end, know it well. It was on my <laughs> dial, that's for sure. Um, and it was uh, you know alternative rock. It was you know uh, you know at the time it's like Matchbox Twenty and Third Eye Blind yeah, and yeah. Know, Green Day. Um, and I loved it. I loved the uh, the atmosphere. I loved the pace. I loved how fast and exciting it was. I loved meeting all of the rock stars and going to concerts. And it gave me a really good opportunity to be creative and um, just kind of develop that side of myself that I enjoy most out of any out of any part of the the pizza pie that is John Smith. I got to really dig into the part that I really enjoy the most, and that's hmm. being entertaining um, and just making people smile and making people laugh. And yeah. I'm not was sure that, how, but it it's worked. <laughs> yeah, was that a pretty competitive path to go down? I mean, is it hard to make it in the in the radio world? The trail is littered with uh, with the dead on uh, on that <laughs> one. Yeah, I've I've seen a lot of people come and go. Um, in fact, I think out of everybody that was on the air in Salt Lake City at that time, I think maybe there's three or four left. It's wow. It's it's really competitive and i've been axed many times uh yeah. and it's you know it's cutthroat you get stabbed in the back you got to fight for every uh every minute you get on the airtime for uh for the whole time you're coming up through the ranks um eventually i had to leave the market because um my brother got a bad reputation and i got kind of lumped in with him and so i had to leave the market and go earn my stripes uh in southern utah and in las vegas and in california um, and then I was offered a chance to come back to, uh, to Salt Lake in, uh, in 2013, uh, after, after a few years away. And that's when we moved to Stansbury park. Yeah. So nice, nice. And was there, I mean, with all that 
that uh, adversity of, of, you know, fighting for your spot and whatnot, was there ever thought of just doing something else or did you try anything else along the way? Oh yeah. Um, you know, I'm, I'm also a firefighter. You, a lot of people uh, know that. Oh, yeah, I'm that's also, right. I also work for the fire department. Um, I got laid off. Well, it was kind of a, it was, a, I was pretty much, I was laid off from X96. Um, I had, I mean, there's, there's a history there with, um, you know, the, the, the culture of radio and the culture of rock and roll music can often be, um, dangerous and, and unhealthy. Mm -hmm. Uh, and the, the people I was around a lot of the time were, um, not, not great people. Um, that's not to say they were bad or they were evil, but they were, I'm trying to think of the right word for it. And that would be, uh, I just, their decisions were not their their decisions and values were not in line with my own. Uh, and, and we'll just leave that there. But, um, we would be in situations where, you know, there's a lot of drinking or there's a lot of drugs or there's a lot of, uh, you know, ill repute going on. And, um, there was this uh, rapper that was coming up. Uh, he was just kind of getting his first taste of fame. And, and he asked me, he's like, well, you've been doing this a long time. I'm like, yeah, about 20 years. He's like, well, do you have any advice for a, for an upcoming superstar? I was like, yeah, superstar, uh, watch your money, stay away from the drugs. You'll be fine. And about a week later, about two days later, I learned he died of an overdose. Oh my goodness. Wow. And, um, come to find out that not only had uh, my line of work contributed to his death, but the culture that went along with it, uh, you know, they would basically encourage him to do drugs so that he could tour longer or stay up later or, you know, oh, yeah. yeah. And uh, I had a real crisis of uh, confidence, uh, a real uh, moment where I, I even went to the bishop, uh, Bishop Glazier at the time, and I'm like, I don't, I don't know if I can keep doing this job because of of the people I'm around and because of what I'm I'm seeing happen to these younger kids. It's one thing when I'm 20, 21 years old, and I'm seeing people around me acting a certain way, and I can just go, push, ah, you go do your own thing. I'm I'm going to be me. But when I'm in my 40s. And I'm seeing these young kids coming up and they're doing the same stuff and now they're dying because of it. I felt a responsibility that I wasn't uh, exercising. Does that make sense? Yeah. Where I'm like, all of a sudden, I'm I'm the older, wiser guy in the room and somehow I'm still allowing this to happen. Even though I'm I'm not providing the the substances that they're abusing and even though I'm not encouraging them to do it, um, and, and encouraging them not to do it even, um, it's still happening. And a lot of that was because of, of where of the, the business I was in. And so I decided I was done. I was going to leave and I went and I became a fireman and I was going to work as a public information officer and I was going to, uh, start a new life and that was going to be it. And then, um, uh, about a week later, I got a job at 103.5 The Arrow, which is a classic rock station here in Salt Lake, if anybody's listening around. Um, and it's a classic rock station that even though they play Metallica and Guns N' Roses and The Who and, <laughs> yeah. and uh, you know all of these bands that I grew up listening to and all these bands that I love, uh, the radio station is owned by the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. <laughs> nice. And all of a sudden I found myself in a place where uh, I was still doing the job that I love and I was still doing what I legit believe I was put on this earth to do. Uh, But now I'm doing it in a much different environment where we don't allow uh, advertisements that go against our beliefs. You Hmm. will never hear a beer advertisement. You'll never hear us talk about bars or drugs, or you'll never hear, uh, vape commercials, uh, that you hear on other radio stations. You'll never hear that on the arrow. And I was like, you know what? This is, this is my jam, dude. This is, this is where I can be. This is, this is a way for me to keep doing this. And it was an answer to a prayer that I didn't make. (laughs) Oh yeah. (laughs) Interesting. Yeah. I never said the prayer. I didn't even know that it was a possibility. And still, uh, 
it was provided to me, the opportunity was, was, was handed to me. Yeah. Here you go, go, go try this. So, uh, I've, I've gone and done and I've never been happier. I've never been treated as well as I have been oh, cool. uh, where I'm at too. It's really great. Yeah. And so that, that's like your day job is at the arrow, but then you right. still do some firefighting, right? Yeah. So I, you know, that's the ADHD kicks in. So I, I get up <laughs> at, uh, you know, three 30 in the morning and I go to the radio show and then I, uh, I DJ private events on the side. So weddings nice. and, and school dances, church dances, hint, hint, um, you know, good change. um, I'm not cheap, not going to lie. Um, but, uh, you know, that, that keeps me busy, you know, two, three nights a week and then the radio station, and then I go fight fire on top of that. So I'm a busy cat, man. Um, Nice. But it's, uh, I I think it was, uh, uh, brother Lopez who, who told me once, he's like, well, we kind of just learned that you do your own thing. (laughs) And, uh, he was a member of the bishopric at the time. And that, that's me in a nutshell. I, I kind of just do my own thing. Nice. So. And we want it no other way, John. So <laughs> <laughs> I'd love to hear that, dude. <laughs> um, so, and, and so are you at a specific station with the fire department? Yeah, or? I'm, at, uh, I'm at station six, one uh, right here in Stansbury park, oh, cool. uh, right by, uh, right by Stansbury park elementary. So my, my official title is public information officer and firefighter. So I handle all of the press releases. Anytime somebody needs to go on TV and talk about good stuff or bad stuff for the fire department. Um, that's where I come in. Um, because a lot of times, uh, firefighters have a certain way of speaking and the general public is not going to understand what an apparatus is or what bunkers are or, uh, what, a you know, what the, the pumping capability of a, of a Rosenbauer apparatus is, you know, so it's my job to go and translate that into people speak. So, you know, um, wow. that's basically to say that a, a fire truck can, can pump a thousand gallons of water. I mean, that's, that's really all you got to say, but you know, they, they do their thing and I, I help them, uh, help them relate to the community. And we do things like, uh, the Santa run and we do things like, um, you know, we help out with Stansbury days raids and stuff like that. And that all falls under, uh, under my job. Very cool. Awesome. Well, um, I mean, it's just interesting with hindsight to look back on a career like yours and, you know, those, maybe those school counselors or teachers were really worried about this kid who was testing out of high school and, you know, he's just going to go be a bum on the corner somewhere, I guess. But, uh, you know, God was in that, right? Very much so. And, and, and in, in hindsight, I can, I can put myself in their shoes and I can look at me at that age and I can go, yeah, dude, you're a mess. You're a mess. And guardian angels, but they, there, there have been angels on my shoulder looking out for me through a dozen bad decisions, yeah. <laughs> does hundreds of bad decisions that, um, somehow they've helped, helped navigate me safely. Yeah. Um, and I'm a, I'm a lucky, lucky guy, dude. I am a lucky guy. Cool. Um, uh, and, and I've, I've gone back and I've spoken at Taylorsville high school about radio and I've spoken at Benyon junior high about radio and talked to some of the same teachers. And, and some of them are surprised that I'm not dead in a ditch somewhere <laughs> and others knew all along or so they say, yeah, we knew you'd do something. We knew you'd figure it out. You were always a little <laughs> too smart for your own good. Um, which I think is a compliment. Know, maybe. <laughs> we we got to uh, find that scoutmaster and let him know you're you're hanging with the priest quorum, right? Man, he better wear a <laughs> he better bring a lunch. <laughs> I see that guy again. Um, <laughs> I got you, I got you on a list, buddy. Um, <laughs> nice, no, I'm forgiving. Nice. I'm forgiving. I'll forgive. That's right. That's right. One day, mm-hmm. but I mean, I'm curious because you do work with the priest, like you mentioned. Like, how does that? how does just your, your life experience inform how you show up to preschool or engage with, engage with the young men? I, I wonder sometimes if the Bishop sitting in there or, or, uh, or if some of the parents are going to call me afterwards. <laughs> uh, but I have very open and honest discussions with them about, yeah. uh, about their faith and about the life and about the world we live in now and about temptation and about perception and about, um, you know, how to, uh, how to navigate their way through this mortal existence. And mm-hmm. um, I, I have the benefit of a lifetime of, of 
interesting experiences, whether it be through radio or through the military or through uh, being a, a guy at, you know, more than a thousand rock concerts in my career, you know, where I can say, yeah, this is what happens when, when, when people do this. Um, and I speak very frankly about it. And sometimes I use words that are maybe not church appropriate, but um, <laughs> the fact of the matter is this is the way they talk and, and I try to put it on their level so that they understand it. Um, and honestly, it's, it's always been very well received uh, with parents and the bishopric and the kids alike. Um, and again, you know, John kind of does things, John kind of does what he wants. So, um, there's a lot of trust there and I've never taken that for granted. I have always, uh, remembered the amount of trust that was, uh, handed to me and it, without, without that kind of sideways glance that a lot of people will say, okay, well, here's the car. We're trusting you. Uh, it was a, okay, yeah, you're the guy for, you're, you're it. Go and do, have fun. Yeah. Um, and uh, the only complaint that I've ever received uh, was from a scout camp uh, where I did an epic scout camp back in, uh, I think, 2017 for the kids. And uh, we had a rifle range set up and the uh, Boy Scouts of America sent me a letter that they did not like the fact that we were using AR-15s and AK-47s oh. <laughs> on the uh, on a scout, on a scout sanctioned Oh, camp. my goodness. Reprimanded. Yeah. Uh, um, yeah, so I, I, I have the letter somewhere. I was going to frame it one day and hang it up. But, um, <laughs> but we had so much fun, man. We had, and, and believe me, when, you know, for, if you're listening to this going, what? This was the safest range in the country. You had yeah. military veterans, you had cops there. Uh, we had certified range masters on site. It was probably one of the most safe firearms experiences anybody could ever have yeah. but uh because it was a uh, a boy scouts of america sanctioned camp at the time they were not pleased when they found out i don't know who told them but yeah somebody uh, somebody, somebody narked on me <laughs> so uh what what do we if if uh, i was getting your car right now we were going on a road trip what kind of music would we hear oh man you know what it just depends on i'll listen to uh, a lot of stuff that surprises people. There's the obvious choices, the nineties punk and Scott, uh, the eighties new wave stuff is, is always a favorite, you know, Oingo Boingo, Depeche Mode, the oh, yeah. Cure, um, and then punk rock stuff like Rancid and the clash, um, operation Ivy, no effects, green day. Um, but you'd also hear, you know, Metallica, Iron Maiden. A lot of times I'll go rockabilly. I'll listen to some, uh, some, some, uh, you know, some Reverend Horton heat or, uh, Southern culture on the skids, or even like some old Johnny Cash and uh, John Prine type of stuff. Uh, wow. You never know. You never know, man. Sometimes, okay. you know, it just depends on when I'm driving into work, it's always really high speed anthrax, white zombie, uh, you know, really fast, aggressive percussion rock. And a lot of times when I'm driving home, it's, it's like news talk or classical music or, you know, <laughs> something really slow that I can just kind of, just kind of ease out of the, the day. Um, I think That's if awesome. you were to get in right now, it'd probably be, uh, you know, like a green day or an offspring. Nice. Very cool. Um, <laughs> very, uh, I mean, you're all over the map there with some of that stuff, but you know, you're, you know, you're, like, when you're uh, dude, when you're a DJ, it all sounds the same. Right. After a while, you can hear country and punk rock, and you can hear punk rock and country. Um, <laughs> I, I don't like country; I can't stand it. But the older stuff, like Johnny Cash or uh, you yeah, know, the, you know Willie Nelson, I'll I'll listen to from time to sure. time. What is uh, the the worst request that you get as you're DJing that, that just shuffle. makes your what's that <laughs> Cupid Shuffle? <laughs> <laughs> um, and it's not because it's a great song; it's just because I have to play it at every event that I've ever done. Uh, it's always you know Cupid Shuffle, Macarena, uh, Don't Stop Believing. You know, you hear uh -huh. the same songs over and over and over again. And people, you know, it's the same with the radio. Everybody's like, "Oh, radio's so repetitive." I'm like, "Oh, you think you're tired of hearing it?" I listen to the radio 10 hours a day, but yeah. you have no idea how tired of it I am. Um, but, nice. you know, people people love these songs for a reason. Uh, they've yeah. been around for 50 years for for a good reason. You know, it's yeah, people love it. What about uh, what about any any uh, 
churchy type flavor of music that is your go-to or you just sing the hymns and go home and and turn on the music? (laughs) Like, do do I listen to church music? Yeah, I mean, do you have like a go-to like Um, churchy music or? I, I, you know what, man, I'm such a creature of, you know, like I, I'm the kind of guy that will criticize the playlist in a Home Depot when I'm shopping for for tools. I'll be like, "Why are they playing Fallout Boy after Howard Jones? Are you crazy?" No, I am. I'm that guy. Um, gotcha. So, Love it. Um, I I'm I'm always listening to to modern or, or classic. You know, it's, I'm always listening to some sort of uh, work related music, even when I'm yeah. not at work. But if I'm at a church dance, I have, I have a church appropriate playlist that oh, I'll sure. uh, we'll keep you out of trouble. Words taken out, taken out, but um, no, like right now driving to church, we listen to Christmas music. That's oh sure. Yeah. It is the season. That's right. Awesome. Well, what else, John, any, anything else we haven't covered that, you know, f- about you, you like have a secret teddy bear collection or you knit or cross stitch. <laughs> I mean, any, anything like that. <laughs> Uh, I'm, I love action figures, man. I love, uh, Oh, really? I've got the, uh, I've got the, the biggest GI Joe collection, uh, really? in the, uh, in probably in, in the neighborhood, if not the state, but yeah. is it like displayed at your house or yeah, you want to see it? Well, I mean, I'll, I definitely want to visit it's, at some it's point just down but... the hall. Yeah. It's, <laughs> no, I've got, uh, every GI Joe, uh, uh, action figure that was ever made. I've got at least two of them. Really? Uh, yeah. I've got a whole, it's a whole room. Transformers, oh, GI Joe you know okay i gotta definitely come over sometime maybe this week i'm gonna let you know that would be so cool to see wow and did that just start at a young age i mean you're just a gi joe kid you know what it was one of those things where um somebody handed me some gi joes once or or no i bought it at a garage sale and i went all over the radio and was playing with them and and then people just started giving them to me and then i was like man i should start collecting these and then you know, <laughs> <laughs> the momentum carried you from there, right? What else are you going to do? So, yeah. yeah. So I like, uh, I like action figures. I like, um, uh, I, I like history. I like, you know, stuff like that. Cool. Very cool. All right. We covered all John that this is you and in, in less than an hour, huh? That's, that's me in a nutshell, man. <laughs> that's I, and let me tell you, this is a great idea. Once again, I know we oh, cool. I said this at the beginning, but if anybody well, is yeah. still listening at this point, <laughs> after uh, hearing me ramble on about myself for an hour uh thank you for for doing this man thank yeah. you for putting this together because well now I, I know so much more about john and we have a discovery <laughs> zone a passion that i right? didn't know about <laughs> i'm a magician so I was, what what's going whoa, on oh he just removed his thumb people what wow. oh look out <laughs> awesome well um the last question I have for you is if you're getting your DeLorean and go in the future a hundred years and speak to your posterity there, what message would you tell them? If I were to speak to the, to the people a hundred years from now? Yeah. You're, you're a great grandkids. And what would you tell them? Uh, I'd say, try to make people laugh. Uh, like if I'm giving advice or if I'm, I'd be like, you know, Hey, uh, hopefully I'm remembered for being a guy that made people smile. 